Hi, it's Ellen, and today I'm going to be talking to you about Germany's international position between 1924 and 1929. So firstly, what were Germany's foreign policy aims, and what were the aims of foreign powers? Germany's foreign secretary from November 1923 onwards was Gustav Stressmann. And importantly, he stayed in this post despite the changes of government until 1929. This was important because it helped him build up good personal relations with other countries. Ultimately, Stressman disliked Versailles, but he pursued a pragmatic approach to reversing it. He understood that Germany was unable to reverse Versailles by force. However, he also understood that nations could not afford Germany to have an economic collapse, so this gave him some bargaining power. Stressman's foreign policy was known as fulfilment. Fulfilment's aim was to satisfy the Allies by upholding Versailles until Germany could renegotiate some parts of it. Fulfilment involved satisfying French and Belgian concerns over their security and their borders, ending the foreign occupation of German territory, regaining Germany's status as a world power in international diplomacy, cooperating with the USA for economic gain, and building links with the USSR to put a little pressure on the West. And what were the foreign policy aims of the foreign powers? Firstly, let's talk about Britain. Britain recognised the importance of an economically strong Germany, and this was most importantly because Germany was an important trading partner. That said, Britain did not want Germany to have a navy which could rival its own. The influential economist Keynes also argued that the Versailles Treaty had been too harsh and an unstable Germany could lead to another war in Europe. For France and Belgium, their main priority was getting certainty that Germany could never invade them again. This required Germany being economically and militarily weakened. The USA had never wanted Germany to be harshly treated. Most importantly, this was driven by economic motives. The USA was a major supplier of food and raw materials to Germany. As well as this, US, the USA was an important export market for German manufacturing. And finally, the Soviet Union. The USSR had been an international pariah since the Communist Revolution and thus it welcomed diplomatic relations with Germany. So just to cover the foreign policy aims of the Allies, we know that the USA wanted to have a favourable relationship with Germany. Mostly this is because it was exporting food and raw materials to Germany, but also because it was importing manufactured goods. When considering Stressman's fulfilment policy, we know that he wanted to satisfy the Allies by upholding Versailles, by satisfying French and Belgian fears about their security, by ending the foreign occupation of German territory, by cooperating with the USA for their economic advantage, and by building diplomatic links with the Soviet Union. And ultimately, Germany wanted to regain its status as a force to be reckoned with in international diplomacy. So was Germany accepted into Europe? Stressman pursued several peace treaties which tried to re-enter Germany into European diplomacy. 
This was consolidated by Germany being allowed into the League of Nations in 1926. The first step to Germany's re-entrance into Europe was the Locarno Pact of 1925. The pact was signed between Germany, France, Belgium, Italy and the United Kingdom. In the treaty, Germany accepted its borders in the west, but crucially not in the east. That said, Schlesman also signed various arbitration treaties with Poland and Czechoslovakia. All countries which signed the pact renounced the use of invasion or force as a method of foreign policy, except in self-defence. So what were the outcomes of the Locarno Pact? Most importantly, the Locarno Pact satisfied French concerns about its security, but also German concerns about any future French invasion. Locarno also showed that Germany was becoming an important and acceptable member of the international diplomatic community once more. And the atmosphere of cooperation in peace, which flourished between 1925 and 1929, was known as the Locarno Spring. In 1926, Germany was accepted into the League of Nations. This institution had been created by the Versailles Treaty. For this reason, many on the right wing in Germany had disliked it, as they saw it as a kind of victor's club. At the origins of the League of Nations, Germany and the USSR had not been allowed to join. Alongside this, the US Senate had refused to ratify the treaty, and therefore the USA was not a member either. By 1926, Germany was welcomed into the League of Nations and with a great powerful status. This meant it was on the council and had power or veto in the League of Nations decisions. As well as entering the League of Nations in 1926, Germany also signed the Treaty of Berlin with the Soviet Union. This treaty confirmed the terms of the Treaty of Rapallo in 1922. Publicly, the treaty established full diplomatic relations between Germany and the USSR. Most importantly, they cooperated over economic matters. Both countries, for example, agreed to wipe out any war debts or claims of reparations. However, there were some secret terms to the Treaty of Berlin. Most importantly, these concerned military cooperation. The Treaty of Berlin allowed Germany to circumvent some of the military restrictions imposed on it by Versailles. The USSR allowed Germany to train troops there and also to develop forbidden aircraft and tanks on Soviet soil. In return, German officers helped train the Red Army. So in terms of the official terms of the Retreat of Berlin, we know that it was mainly about economic cooperation. For example, countries agreed to wipe out their war debts or claims of reparations. In terms of a timeline for Weimar Germany's diplomatic events, we know that in 1926, Germany signed the Treaty of Rapallo with the Soviet Union and joined the League of Nations. And in 1925, the thing which started it all was the Locarno Pact. An international aim shared by many countries from, from 1924 onwards was disarmament. Most importantly, people did not want to repeat the atrocity of World War I. Germany, however, felt that other countries were not disarming as they had been forced to do. Perhaps 
Perhaps the most important treaty in the 1920s concerning disarmament was the Kellogg-Briand Pact of 1928. Germany, alongside 70 other countries, signed the Kellogg-Briand Pact. In doing so, all signatories renounced the use of force. Importantly, this treaty included the USA, which was not a member of the League of Nations. Germany, however, was secretly rearming beyond what was allowed under the Versailles Treaty. This was enabled through secret clauses of the 1926 Treaty of Berlin. Alongside this, Stressman also got the Inter-Allied Military Control Commission to leave Germany in 1926. This body had monitored Germany's compliance with the Treaty of Versailles. So just summing up what we've learned about disarmament, we know that although the USA did sign the Kellogg-Briand Pact, they were still not a member of the League of Nations. After the invasion of the Ruhr, the Allies had remained in Germany. One of Stressman's key foreign policy aims was to make them leave between 1924 and 1929. So what did Stressman do? By calling off passive resistance, Stressman had got France to withdraw from the Ruhr by 1925. After the Locarno Pact, the Allies agreed to leave the part of the Rhineland around Cologne by December 1925. And when Stressman agreed to the Young Plan in 1929, the Allies agreed to end the occupation of the Rhineland early, although this happened after Stressman's death. However, there was severe dissatisfaction from Germany's right wing. The right wing wanted a total end to the foreign occupation of Germany immediately and also stressed its demands to rearm. So in summing up, over the course of Stressman's term as the foreign secretary for Germany, they managed to remove the foreign occupation of the Ruhr and eventually the Rhineland. However, the eventual removal of the Allies from the Rhineland occurred after Stressman's death following 1929. And in terms of what we know about the Locarno Pact, we know it created the Locarno Spring Effect. And this is because France was satisfied about its security, and so too was Germany. And finally, Locarno signalled that Germany was becoming an acceptable member in Europe again. And when we discuss the foreign policy aims of the German right wing in the 1920s, we know that they were dissatisfied with Stressman's objectives and they wanted a total end to foreign occupation of Germany and to immediately be allowed to rearm, thus overturning Versailles. Thank you for listening to this podcast about the foreign position and the international position of Germany in the late 1920s. Next time, we'll be discussing the collapse of democracy in Germany and most importantly, examining the impact of the Great Depression. If this episode has got you in the mood for more revision, then head over to SenecaLearning.com where you can revise all of your A-level subjects absolutely free. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Anchor, then you will find a link in the bio. But if not, just type in SenecaLearning.com and you'll find us. While you're at it, if you could rate us five stars and subscribe or follow to all of our revised podcasts, which cover every subject you need, then that will help other people to find our podcasts.